The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, though, I want to turn our attention back to the passing of Michael Parkinson, the beloved Chacho host who has died at the age of 88. I mean, there are a long, long list of famous interviews that, that he uh, undertook. Uh, we played a little clip of Billy Connolly uh, earlier on, his first appearance in 1975. He appeared many times on the show. Here is the man that Michael Parkinson described as his favourite ever guest, Muhammad Ali. And you've seen what can happen to fighters. You've seen those shambling wrecks that go around. And what people are frightened of is they don't want that to happen to you. My, my thinking is so superior and my knowledge is so positive and my logic is so wise. And you're looking up at me saying, Ali, don't do it. But I'm at such a high level until I don't think like you. I'm not like you. But, you, not but, but you know why they say that. I mean, it's for the because best possible reasons. So. They have fear and they are wary. It looks, looks dangerous to them. That's but right. it's not really that dangerous to me. Yeah. And it's, it's the just effect- another day. And I- it's the affection they have for you. They've never felt about another boxer like they felt about you. Oh, it's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just one of those uh, times that Muhammad Ali uh, appeared on the show. I think four times all in all, and each one of them a really, really interesting uh, uh, interview. I'm joined now by the broadcaster, Gloria Honeyford. Gloria, it is always great to talk to you, despite the circumstances today, of course. Can I ask, when did you first meet Michael Parkinson? Well, I'm guessing that I must have met him just purely through the business, you know, because I've interviewed him a lot over the years, and I was lucky enough to be interviewed by him once or twice. Um, but I feel as if he's always been in my life because when I lived in Portadown um, in Northern Ireland, um, you know, we, we didn't have very much to do in our time, but we did have three cinemas. And so I went to the movies all the time. And I used to honestly look forward to Michael Parkinson's show at the weekend all the time because I couldn't believe that he had these major Hollywood stars and they were in London and they were sitting on a chair opposite him. So I was fascinated. And the thing I admired, well, there are many, many things I admired about Michael, but not only in my estimation is he the best chat show host. He's a great interviewer, uh, but he was always a great listener. And, you know, in order to make a good host, you've got to listen. And so many times these days, I see people doing an interview and they ask the first question, then they look at their page or they look at something beside them and they're not really looking the person in the eye. Michael never did that. He was always concentrating on the person and at the end of any interview, what you want to do is to have learned something, to be able to say, wow, I didn't know that, or to get a good laugh, as we always did with the Billy Connollys of this world. <laughs> and Michael had a great sense of humor, but he was a very intelligent man as well, and passionate about everything that he did, passionate about cricket, passionate about music. And he did a lovely show on a Sunday morning for Radio 2 for many years. And I still have... Um, a concept album that they made from that show and I still have it and I play it all the time. Great music. He knew his music. What, what was he like when you say you interviewed him many times? What was he like as an interviewee? Well, he was wonderful because um, he had so much to talk about. You know, the time seemed to fly by and somebody would be shouting in your ear from the production team to say, you've only got a minute left and I'm thinking, I need more than that. You know, he, he was that kind of person because He was involved in so many things. And he also was a very, very kind person because I remember after my daughter passed, um, I finished two books that she had started and I finished them off and it was published. And much to my surprise and delight, I was invited to go on the Parkinson show on Saturday evening or whatever it was. And it was such a thrill to go on that show. And I think 
his reputation was far and wide. And I think that's why people would never refuse to go in the show because they just wanted to be with him because he was legendary. And I remember after that particular uh, night, um, Michael said to me, look, he said, I know that you've set up a foundation in Karen's name. And he said, if you ever want me to do a theatre show with clips from the shows and things, I'll do it. Now, a lot of people will say that at the time, but forget all about it. Mm. He didn't. He rang in a couple of days' time and he said, OK, would you like to do it? Yes, please. And he did a wonderful show in Windsor. And we had a, a theatre packed, of course. And he you know, showed clips of Muhammad Ali and Billy Connolly, all the people that you know, he particularly liked and remembered and interviewed over and over again. Oh, that's that. That is lovely to hear that uh, story. When 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 you were invited on that time, I mean, w- would there have been any additional nerves? I mean, that's a kind of a situation you'd be very well accustomed to uh, uh, being up there, everybody looking at you, uh, uh, part of the interview process, one side or the other. But I guess, given his status and everything, was there any additional nerves, or or was was he just well, no, brilliant was, at calming them? I, I was just thrilled, on because I knew him as an individual. For example. You know, don't misconstrue it, but I used to meet him every Monday morning down in Soho in London. Now, oh, God, right. Uh, okay. the, reason being, <laughs> the reason being that we were watching movies because you had to watch the movie of the person you were interviewing. And I was doing a chat show at the same time out of the same television company. And so he would say to me, for example, one sticks out of my mind. Uh, he said, who, you, who have you got this week? And the program is called Something Something. And I said, I've got Robert Mitchum. And of course, I was thrilled because I thought, I'm now getting big names as he did. So he said to me, do your homework. I went, Michael, I always do my homework. He said, we'll triple it then because this man is tricky. And Michael was right. He was. <laughs> he was. Although I was thrilled to have him on the program and he did ease off after a while. But he was, yep, nope, a bit of that going on. But, but anyway, uh, I will always uh, think of Michael. And I think, actually, we'll always be looking at Michael because... He's done over 2,000 interviews, and they're all quality. And I think there'll be a lot of compilation programs, and we'll be watching Michael forevermore, and I will look forward to that. And also, you know, in recent years, they did a masterclass in Sky Arts about his interviewing. And, you know, I watched that, and I think there will always be some form of concept program about Michael and how brilliant he was. What or who is his equivalent today then, Gloria, if there is one? I can't think of an equivalent today because I think he's probably the best. Um, Terry Wogan was also incredible in his field, you know, but nobody liked Terry anymore. And I'd rather guess there'll be nobody in the chat field like Michael because when he was in the early days of his 2000 interviewees, you know, television wasn't divided up so much. You got big, big ratings, millions of, of viewers. Nowadays, because you've got Netflix, you've got all sorts of things, you've got iPlayer and you've got everything is divided and spread out across TV. So ratings have changed. And, you know, some programs network wise, they're lucky if they get five million. Um, If Strictly Come Dancing, you know, gets 10 million on the odd Saturday night. It's amazing. But other programs think it's fantastic if they get two million. And some of the newer stations are lucky if they get 60,000. You know what I mean? The, the, the ratings aren't the same now. So Michael was in at the beginning when the ratings were million upon million upon million. It is the temptation as well now, and maybe it was there then to a degree as well, and Michael just never fell prey to it, is the temptation now that uh, the host is as interested in stardom as the person they're interviewing? Well, I think in Michael's case, he was the star. Um, I don't care how big the star in the other chair was, uh, but Michael was so good at his job. 
mm. that he was a star. But I think a lot of the comics who try their hand at interviewing, um, I think they make it about them and their jokes rather than the big interest in the interviewee. And the point is that at the end of it all, you haven't learned anything about the visiting one. You just know about the comic. And I, that, that for me, I mean, some works, some doesn't. Uh, but for me, if I'm watching a chat show, I want to know about the person in the other chair. And that's where Michael was um, you know, amazing. Well, listen, as always, Gloria, we appreciate your time and thanks a million for joining us. Eamon has texted in to say, Michael Parkinson was and always be, will always be my idol. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I'm dyslexic. I didn't learn much in school. His show educated and gave me the social education and confidence to live a very social and happy life. And Maria says, Michael Parkinson's interviews with Dame Edna and Paul O'Grady as Lily Savage were both priceless. And Maria, thank you uh, for the text. Alistair Campbell is with me, the writer, communicator, consultant and co-host of The Rest is Politics podcast. Uh, Alistair, when did you first meet Michael? Oh God, I can't even remember, but I, I think it was a cricket match um, years ago, years and years ago when I was still a journalist. He and, loved cricket, um, didn't he? He was, like, he, he was cricket mad. He tried to make his living a, he, as a cricket player. He was a very, he, he absolutely loved cricket. He loved Yorkshire and he loved England. Uh, and he kind of soft spot for the Aussies. I don't know how he felt about the researches. <laughs> uh, but he was, but he was also, you know, I think people obviously are talking about his, his interviews and his chat show because that's what he became really, really famous for. But at heart, Michael was a journalist. And I think that, you know, what he loved doing was talking to people and getting stories out of them. And I think, he, he, you know, I, I think he always thought of himself in those terms. And what Gloria Hunterford was saying there is absolutely right. He was always listening to the answer and then he would take the interview that, down that road. He did lots of preparation, he did lots of research, he had lots of notes. But the interview went where, between them, he and the interviewer took it. Um, so, yeah, I agree with everything she said. He was a wonderful man. What was it like to be interviewed by him? Well, I was only ever interviewed by him on the Parkinson show once. And it was, it was when, interestingly, it, there were a couple of stories to tell from that. First of all, he was very uh, solicitous of me because I was, had been getting a lot of grief through Iraq and all that sort of stuff. And he sort of said to me, he'd like to talk to me about mental health because I'd talked about that before. And, and he was very solicitous about it. And, and I did, I, I talked very openly about that. And that was probably the the biggest part of the interview. But then the other thing he asked me to do was he asked me if I would play the bagpipes to, to end the program. Mm. And I said yes, because I really liked him and I guess I wanted to please him. But I didn't have my own bagpipes with me. And, he, and so I said, I said, look, I, I prefer to play my own, but if you can guarantee that you'll find me a set of pipes at the BBC, that'll be kind of worth playing. So anyway, they got me this set of pipes and my God, they were, they were rough. <laughs> oh, thought, oh, a bad workman now, Alistair. A bad workman. I know, but they weren't my to- <laughs> they weren't my tools. They were somebody else's tools. But so I didn't feel great about that. But you know, he was he, he was I was I, I, and it's interesting. I've done lots and lots of different TV shows, but for I can absolutely rem- remember. I can remember, for example, that it was Jimmy Carr and Ross Kemp were the other two guests on the program, and you know, I, it was interesting what Gloria was saying there. Michael was a big star, but he didn't come over as a big star when he was doing that program. He didn't come over as a big star when he was doing the interviews. He came over as an interviewer. And I think that's why people liked him. And I think people liked to watch him. People liked to be interviewed by him. And people liked to be with him. He was a, 
He was a fantastic company. He was very, very kind. Uh, I can remember a couple of times when I was going through a pretty rough time when he just said, you know, basically hang in, you're doing fine, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was interesting what you said there about whether anybody um, is, is kind of the, the Michael Parkinson of today. Mm. Um, when I was when I was thinking, when Tony Blair asked me to work for him, Neil Kinnock, who obviously knew more about being leader of the Labour Party than most people, he was begging me not to do it. He said, he's going to ruin your life. He said, look at your career now. He said, you could be the next Michael Parkinson. He said that. I'll never forget that. And then, anyway, years, years later, after I'd left Downing Street, yeah. again, at a test match, I was in, I can't remember who's, who'd invited me, but I was in this box at Lord's at a test match, and Michael and Mary, his wife, were there. And Mary said to me, said, you've, you've got to get a chat show, said to me. I said, why? She said, because I can't think of anyone else that I, w- I would rather want to do it. Because I said, well, I don't know if that's the way I want to go with my life. And she said, but if you don't do it, there's a real risk that Piers Borgen will be loaded as the next Michael <laughs> <laughs> So, but he was, he, was, he was somebody who had, you know, advice for people. Yeah. But in, a, in that way, you know, he wasn't patronizing. He just sort of, he, was, he, he gave, he was a giver. And I think the reason he was a giver is because he, 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 you saw it in the way he did that program. He loved talking to people and he loved talking to people because he loved people. Yeah, and listen, lots and lots of people, judging by the text line here, absolutely loved him too. They were, they were missing very much. But again, I'd repeat the point Gloria made, our thoughts primarily with uh, Michael's family today. Uh, Alistair, listen, thank you very much for the time. And it's always good to talk to you, despite the circumstances. Uh, Alistair Campbell, uh, the uh, writer, communicator, consultant and co-host of The Rest is Politics. And before, uh, Michael, we spoke to the broadcaster, Gloria Honeyford. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.